0: Please be advised that this podcast contains strong language, real and often distressing kidnap for ransom calls and discussions of kidnapping, torture and murder that some listeners may find disturbing. We advise listener discretion, particularly for younger or sensitive listeners.
1: We're seeing the trend continuing. Um we're seeing bigger ransom demands and, and I expect this trend to continue, which is mm. which is worrying.
2: In the background, someone is telling you what to say. What? I could hear somebody is there telling me what to say. It's true. Who was that? You are taking chances.
3: No, sir, it's not like
2: that.
4: I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. You are taking chances.
5: It is an age old crime. But admittedly, it was never one that really plagued us here in South Africa. Theft? Oh, yes. GBV? Oh, without a doubt. Murder? Of course. But kidnapping? Not really. There's no denying, though, that in recent years, kidnappings have moved out of our imaginations and onto the South African streets.
2: Kidnappings. There have been 2,000 kidnappings cases reported to the police between July to September 2021.
0: Kidnappings are on the rise in many parts of the country with police blaming organized crime syndicates who demand massive ransoms.
6: With the
4: recent return of the four Motti brothers after a three-week kidnapping ordeal in Limpopo,
0: South Africa has witnessed a number of uh, public and high-profile kidnappings mm. recently. Up to 20 cases of kidnappings are reported in South Africa every month, which
5: has forced businesses to bulk up their security.
7: Kidnapping cases have hit the headlines.
5: In fact, research done by Lizetta Lancaster with the Institute of Security Studies, which was based on South African police service data, shows that between 2010 to 2011 and 2019 to 2020 financial years, reported kidnappings increased by 133% from 2,839 to an overwhelming 6,000 623 reported cases the motivations of course for kidnappings can vary from domestic violence armed robberies and hijackings to extortion and of course the kind we will be diving in today good old-fashioned kidnapping for ransom you see kidnapping for ransom seems to have found a new home here in south africa and the investigative team at times Love wanted to know why In today's episode of boots on the ground behind South Africa's national headlines, we dive into the secretive underground world of ransom kidnappings. Why has this form of organized crime become so prevalent? Who are the targets and how are they being targeted? How is it possible for syndicates to extort millions of rands without leaving a trace and what happens behind the scenes when high profile kidnappings take place? For this week's episode of Boots on the Ground, I am your host, Paige Muller. The Times Live investigation team of Graham Hoskin, Aaron Heyman, and Sankiso Maketa undertook the mammoth task of trying to unravel the complex workings of ransom kidnapping syndicates within South Africa. And if we're honest, they found more information than is feasible to put into a single podcast. But the clear theme that emerged throughout their weeks long research is that ransom kidnappings are becoming more prevalent and far more deadly. In 2017, when South Africa's first mega kidnappings for ransom began to spike, the country's kidnapping syndicates numbered less than a handful. The majority of syndicates were at that stage run out of Mozambique. But since 2017, dozens of South African and foreign kidnapping syndicates have emerged from splits within the Mozambican kidnapping gangs and have found homes here in South Africa. This is Graham, one of the investigative reporters who was tackling this story for Times Live.
8: Between 2011 and 2015, a lot of the Mozambican foreign businessmen operating in Mozambique headed to South Africa. And when they came to South Africa, they came with their wealth. A lot of them then set up business here or already had businesses here through family members and close associates. With that, they were able to continue operating here with little or, or no interference in their business operations. They were actually able to, it was just like plug and play for them. And because of them moving across here to South Africa, the kidnappers who were targeting them in Mozambique realized, look, these guys have moved here to South Africa. It's just across the border. There's rampant crime there. We have connections in terms of federal criminal syndicates, which we can join forces with. And they then began targeting foreign businessmen operating here in South Africa, basically from the end of 2016 into 2017. And in 2017, that's when we began to see the really big spike in or the rise in kidnappings in South Africa. And as the kidnappings rose, more and more businessmen began getting close protection, uh, security guards, um, ensuring that their families have security 24 hours with the additional security that these businessmen were employing, the kidnappers realized, look, obviously we need to have bigger guns, more force, more members, and we have to exert more violence. Another thing that has contributed to the violence is the sudden explosion, especially towards the end of 2019 and into 2020, of the number of syndicates. Not only were you having these mega syndicates operating, but you started having a lot more syndicates operating. And these syndicates, although also targeting big businessmen were far less professional. The, the more professional syndicates um, would try and keep violence to a minimum, knowing that if they use violence and start shootouts on the streets, trying to kidnap people, the police are going to respond. Suddenly you were seeing victims who were, were being ransomed. Ransoms were being paid, but the victims were being killed as well. I mean, we, we're sitting cases that we've investigated with at least seven people who, who've been killed or tortured to a very bad degree and so with the the copycat syndicates the violence began to rise exponentially. We've also seen kidnappers being killed by their own syndicates allegedly for spilling the beans on fellow syndicate members, cutting deals with the cops to avoid lengthy sentences. The level of violence that's being exerted has, has significantly increased
5: information Times Live has gathered reveals how the seven mega kidnapping syndicates which operate in South Africa are linked to transnational organized crime syndicates operating mainly from Mozambique and Pakistan. Mega kidnapping syndicates kidnap and ransom their victims for 25 million rand or more. Our team spoke to Justin Naylor, M D at I two, an insurer who provides kidnapping for ransom insurance for Hollard. Naylor led us in on some of the interesting and slightly worrying trends that they have noticed in recent years.
1: The ransoms are much bigger.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: The Marty ransom ransom is was, was fifty million that we believe is paid. And we've seen a few other attempted kidnappings where the kidnappers are demanding is 50 million rand. The trend that we saw in the past was that most kidnappings were were small. You know, 500 thousand rand, a million rand, even 100 thousand rand. Where kidnappers wanted to kidnap someone and just get a small amount of money and get it over with very quickly. So, so what is an interesting and worrying trend for me is we're seeing very big ransom demands,
3: mm.
1: which we haven't seen before in this market. Um, I've seen a few incidents of much bigger ransom demands, and it would also indicate to you know a very uh, professional-run syndicates that has a lot of insights, info, into some of these families and and effectively knows that they've got the money.
5: So our team found that there are seven mega kidnapping syndicates operating in SA, but there are also at least another six smaller syndicates which kidnap and ransom their victims from between 1 million to 15 million rand. And of course... Countless smaller copycat syndicates who ransom their victims for between 5,000 to 500,000 rand. And importantly, as Naylor says, these are no petty criminals. Police information on these groups show their members include cash in transit robbers, hijackers, and members of the infamous Rolex robbery gang. These are some of South Africa's most violent and notorious criminals. And they know you. If a member of your family is taken by one of these syndicates, you can bet that they know where you work, how much you and your close relatives earn, where your children go to school, and so on. We're now going to play you a very real ransom call. We will not be identifying the speakers, of course, for safety reasons. But listen very closely. We managed to get hold of these calls by liaising with family members and those with intimate knowledge of investigations. But they've been recorded on the fly, under very tense circumstances.
3: Hello, how are you? I'm okay.
4: How are you? How much you got?
3: Sorry, boss. How much you got? Right now. You listen right now you're talking about I, listen listen yes sir
4: you are taking chances
3: no sir it's not like you,
4: that you, i'm not asking i'm telling you you are taking chances
3: if i take chance and something
4: how much how much you got
3: i got 20 in the pocket now and that guy when he's come with the money he got a breakdown. I didn't hold that side.
4: Listen to me. You don't want to pay.
3: No. Yes. What I got, I can give you even now.
4: Maybe. I'm. I'm. I'm telling you, you don't want to pay. You want to pay, or you cooperate with the police.
3: It's fine. I'm, i agree with you. Also, when when you,
1: you, you
4: attacked, or you pay with the police. You will pay your mind, they don't lose. You will lose. You will.
3: You, you are saying like, a, if i not involved with the police and involved with you and give you money,
4: You don't involved the police. I asked you. You took your chance. You don't know me. I'm I waiting. That guy, I, I'm waiting with the police. You can't beat me in this What are your fucking children's government? Okay, can I? I want to pray or not. If you want me to play, yes, I'll but... go to social and teach your son. Okay. You think I'm teaching your son? I can teach you. All right. Well... I know you. Yes, you I
3: understand. There's something you don't know
4: about push, me. Let
3: push, me tell you. There's you
4: know something you don't know about me. I know you.
3: Okay, sir. I
4: see you daily.
3: But, uh, sir, when you attacked
4: don't, him, don't, you... Don't do, don't do that. I say I want money now. Before I of the
3: But, sir, right now, I got to increase. Hey, when do I don't
4: tell 20. me about that right now. I know in your boots I have a face. Like. Yes, I sir. know something about you. Don't take chances.
3: All right, sir.
4: Don't take chances with me.
3: But when you attack him, you also get some
4: How much big big amount he from. How much? Now, not tomorrow, not now. I told you before, sir. Talk talk. Yes, sir. We should have the money.
3: Say, but sir, a, in a, a way big way. information you get is okay. But one thing is not okay. Like, a, is it my business? You understand, sir? And how much ho- you when you attack him how much you got pl- I got sir twenty. And ho- when you attacked him also oh, there well, was now money you for said someone
4: is delivering by I, I'm still asking again don't take chances.
3: No, sir. So you you, you were already getting something
4: to... let me tell you something. Yes, sir. My friends are telling you out. you want to pay or you don't?
3: I want to face her but
4: Let when, me tell you when, when, you, when uh Barry,
3: when you attack I'm him also you,
4: you, you out, I you the money.
3: Also you took it some money if when you, you
4: want you, me to come closer. Let's I like kill this guy and then I'll come closer.
3: Actually, sir, when you take You the, don't
4: understand you don't understand the language.
3: You, the, you, that,
5: this call is particularly revealing. You see, these groups are made up of several members with different responsibilities. The team duties include surveillance teams, which are responsible for obtaining information on the victim's routine, such as where they live, go to work, when they return home, go to the shops, church, visit friends or family and even the routines of their extended family members. They also gather information on whether their target has personal security, on their target's wealth, whether they bank using a bank or an informal banking system, how they carry out their business, whether they're involved in illicit financial transactions, and who they are doing business with. These teams source information from informants within financial institutions In this call, you can hear the frustration in the kidnapper's voice because he knows how much the man has to give. He's having such a negative response because his information indicates that the man is holding out on him. He threatens the man, saying that he knows him and will take him or his son and kill the person they're holding now. Teams are also made up of grabbers. These are the people responsible for the actual abduction. The grabber teams number between six to eight people. They're also incredibly well-trained in the use of firearms and tactical driving. Then we get the gatekeepers who are responsible for sourcing safe houses, holding victims hostage, providing the victims with food and recording proof of life videos and sound bites. If you listen back to the call very carefully, you can tell that a gatekeeper in this particular call is fed up and is threatening to kill the hostage that he's watching. You probably missed it. So here it is again. Just a warning, it includes some strong language, but listen closely.
4: Will fucking kill
5: Finally, teams are made up of negotiators responsible for negotiating ransoms and hostage release. Surveillance teams provide negotiators with enough information to threaten or blackmail victims into silence. Here's another example of how a call might play out. Are you alone? Yeah.
2: I know you're not alone. I want to give you some advice. Mm-hmm. <coughs> you see, your husband is mm-hmm. fine. He's going to be fine mm-hmm. if you just cooperate. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, when I told you, I gave you the amount. Mm-hmm. In the background, someone is telling you what to say.
6: What?
2: Huh? I could hear somebody is there, well, telling you what to say. It's true, who was that?
6: Who? My friend, please. Hmm? You see, let me tell you huh? My daughter, last oh, time, huh? when you take him, she's fainted. Yeah. Huh? She's in the hospital yeah. now. Please, my friend, still she's in the coma. <laughs> please help me, my friend. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying to you. Please, my
2: friend, please, okay. I beg you. Want, you want me? Please. It's no. very simple. You want me to release him. Am I right? You yeah. want me? You want me? I must release him. Yeah, please,
6: my friend. Please. I'm no,
2: I want to make it simple. I make it simple for you. Hmm? I know already. Your husband he explained to me. Huh? It's not long. Your husband he explained. Huh? It will not take long for your family to put together three money. He huh? is the one he tells me. It can't take long for three million to put together, me.
6: Wow, wow, wow! Please, my friend, I begging you, I'm <laughs> under on your leg. Please, my friend. Just, you see, I have, a, now I'm going, to, I think for someone, to take my car. And, you see, I'm going <laughs> to sell my car, even his car. This car, is this, it's is accident, that one, it's bombing.
2: Listen, listen, <laughs> let me, <laughs> I'm not finished. Listen <laughs> to me.
6: hmm <laughs> You know? hmm <laughs> Police, my friend. I'm doing works. this
2: job I, listen to me my job is very simple <laughs> the people I'm working for they use me to negotiate with you to take your husband out I want to make it easy for you you understand mm-hmm. so mm. please take my advice if you go to the police I know already you went you open a file by the police station am I right
6: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> already you went but listen to me mm. the police they can't help you I know, you know in your community already. So it how do I make wait. it
6: close, okay? How do I make it close No, you can't close it. Yeah, yeah.
2: But don't cooperate with them. You don't tell them what's happening. Mm-hmm. You don't tell them anything. Mm-hmm. You just say, no, they didn't phone. No, they didn't phone. You understand? Mm-hmm. Please, understand what I'm telling you, the police. Yeah. They can't help mm-hmm. you. They just want to take your money.
6: Please, my friend. Please and they want to give you nothing.
5: Nayla and I too provide hostage negotiation services as part of their insurance. This means that they have intimate knowledge of how these negotiations typically go down.
1: One is very clear that these are seriously professional syndicates or mm-hmm. a professional syndicate that they will be have uh, detailed intel. This is not just the land that they pick up a kid from school, this is they know the family, they know who they are, mm-hmm. they'll know the network, they'll know the children, and. Um, It's it's really professional. So I mean, typically, what happens is they take the person, and then they wait. You don't usually hear from them for a while. So it's quite a stressful period for the family. But they usually wait a few days, if not a week or two. What what our policy is designed to do is we will straight away get an expert consultant um, to to get on site. Uh, with the family or whether they are with the incidents, and and then set up, you know, brief and, 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 and you know, help support the family, set up the communication infrastructure to support the family. Um, the family will get a ransom demand, and then what our consultants will do is they will then help the family negotiate. And it's not our consultant that does it. It needs to be positioned as realistic. We, we don't want the kidnappers to know there's insurance policy in place, and we don't want them to know that there's a professional negotiator. So usually the family would elect a representative
3: mm-hmm. in the
1: family that's going to negotiate. But then, you know, our consultants behind the scenes would be listening in on the calls, recording the calls, and advising the family on you know, how to go about the negotiation. Mm. Um, and then the direction that usually send a demand. Um, our consultants they do kind of know the market price and they're going right. I mean it sounds crazy but it's a, this is a business, depending on the syndicate, they know more or less what's a reasonable demand and what and then they would advise um, our clients how to go about that in negotiation, what's a reasonable um you know, what's a reasonable way to negotiate and, and you know, some psychological tactics on how to negotiate. Mm. Um With the one thing being that usually in these cases, the kidnappers don't want to harm the kids. They want the money. And then the big part of negotiation as well is also how to to pay the money, um, how to avoid, um, you know, what often happens, you know, how do you trust these guys? You could pay the money and then... um, they don't give the kids back. That's called double-dipping is a term where they, you pay the money and then they say, oh, we actually want more to release the kids. So, so it's all that whole process. They haven't just experienced, you know, what are the different tactics of the kidnappers and how to go about it. Mm. Um, what's also important to note is, is we as insurance country controller we don't get involved in the payment. The family would have to raise the money. And they would make the payment themselves. And then when they approved to us that they'd made the payment, then we would reimburse the family. To keep it realistic. You know, you don't want to, as insurance, we don't want to stimulate this market. We don't want people to know that they're getting away with fifty million uh rents of payments that are easy to get away, because then it's gonna stimulate the market. We want to keep it as hard, as low, and as difficult as possible.
5: As you can tell, these gans go to incredible lengths to keep offices in the dark. The South African Police Service and Hawks officers say that while they receive on average three kidnapping reports every two weeks, the numbers of unreported cases are believed to be quadruple that and rising. An intelligence source said the highest number of kidnappings to occur in South Africa at any given time was during October of last year, 2021 even though the South African police service has had a few notable successes in dealing with these groups, including 99 police tactical operations, 158 alleged kidnappers arrested and 85 hostages rescued between January of 2019 and March of 2021. It is hard to expect the police to handle a problem that they're not actually being informed about. But you would think that if your loved one were taken and someone was threatening to kill them, you'd want to go to police. So why aren't people? Tankiso is the investigative reporter who we've had speaking to the families of kidnapped victims and to the victims themselves. Here he explains why they're not going
7: to police. Kidnapping syndicates target businessmen who have dealings which fall outside the scope of the law and are thus in a compromised position. Cooperating with authorities would open the proverbial can of worms into their business dealings. And abductors make this point abundantly clear to their victims and they strongly warn them against speaking about the details of their kidnapping. Essentially, cooperating with authorities is tantamount to suicide.
5: But Naylor believes that the police's inability to handle this situation is only likely to exacerbate the problem.
1: The other thing that I I think, you know, is a concern, and I don't want to knock the police, but I think the reality is these gangs have seen that they can get away with a $50 rand payment ransom and get away with it. And that leads to more. And that's the biggest problem we're in a society where the police force doesn't seem to be effective in, 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 um, in catching these guys and bringing them to task so they know they'll do it again. They can mm. get away with it. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be hard to catch someone who's just taken 50 million rand in cash. And mm. um, so there is, you know, there's always suspicion of, of, and it's a suspicion only, so there's always suspicion are the police involved or not. And and are they competent to deal with these sort of things? And I think that, you know, the police force isn't geared up and competent to deal with these sort of things. Mm -hmm. So the problem is when you have an ineffective police force, you you stimulate a lawless society.
5: Nayla briefly implied there that there are rumours that police are complicit in these crimes, but that that wasn't proven. Actually, it is proven. Our research shows that almost all of the syndicates rely on a cohort of corrupt police officers to carry out their attacks. Here's Graham again. He explains the extent of police involvement in kidnapping for ransom cases in much greater detail.
8: Without the involvement of police, these kidnappings would be unable to occur. The police have been providing weapons, uniforms... Ammunition, firearms, investigations that we've done shows that police work close with the kidnappers, literally hand in hand. Um, They're used to carry out the actual attacks of kidnapping victims by doing or hosting or holding fake roadblocks. You'll see a businessman busy driving down the highway. Suddenly he he or she gets pulled over. And bam, they get taken. We saw this with the case of Sandra Monsami, and we saw this with the case of Ismail Akunji, a Benani businessman who was kidnapped in Gauteng two years ago. These kidnappings cannot take place without the involvement of police.
5: But Nela also brings up an interesting point.
1: It shouldn't be hard to catch someone who's just taken 50 million in cash.
5: Where's all the money? Surely if people kept drawing large sums of money or it landed anywhere in our banking system, we would be able to trace it. How is it that syndicates know who's flush with cash? How do they know which people would make ideal targets in terms of both money, but also silence? Our reporter Aaron has the answer. He's been responsible for understanding the complex money trail. He's now going to explain to us how the syndicates know what we don't.
7: Hawala is like a checkbook for people with lots of cash and who don't necessarily want the bank or the government to see how much money they have. It's an Eastern trust-based value transfer system. Hawala deals are usually done across long distances and is associated with tax dodging. Cash-based business owners with 50 million rand in cash stored somewhere in their house might want to access that money in Dubai or India or Pakistan or Bangladesh. It creates all sorts of problems for them when they have to declare that money to the revenue service, and of course, they'll have to pay the tax man. Instead, they take that money, including the portion they would have lost to tax, and tell their business partner or family member in Pakistan that they are going to send them the money. You take the money in your briefcase, and you go to a Hawala broker here in South Africa, and you tell them that you need to transfer the money to your business partner in Pakistan. The broker then works through a whole network of Hawala brokers spread out across the world. Here's the thing, the money never really leaves South Africa. The Hawala broker is trusted by the other brokers that he has the money. Of course, the brokers get their cut. The money will then be available in Pakistan to their business partner through a Hawala broker over there. If the broker messes up and for some reason doesn't have the money when someone comes to collect, well, that can have deadly consequences.
5: It's a little bit complicated for me too, but in a nutshell, the payments are not being tracked by South Africa's world-class financial system in the way that most payments are. They're kind of operating more like an IOU across borders. Police and state intelligence resources estimate that since 2017, kidnappers have collectively secured over 750 million rand in ransom payouts. Of course, thanks to the mysterious world of Hawala, that remains simply an estimate. Researcher Lancaster said from a sample of 331 kidnapping cases registered with the police in 2019 to 2020's financial year, ransom and extortion was a motive in 5% of the cases. She goes on, however, to say that although 5% may seem like a low number, it's actually comparatively incredibly high. Jason Grizzle director at Broll Risk Management said that the degradation of the safety and security environment, ease of access to anonymous financial applications like Hawala and exacerbated economic conditions post pandemic have created a thriving environment for kidnappings. He predicts that if we continue down this path, we will start to see syndicates targeting ceos and other business executives just to test the market to see whether big corporates will pay ransoms for their key employees he also points out that there has been a notable rise in the kidnappings of children for a very similar reason it's clear that this is a problem that requires urgent and immediate attention Grizzle warns that we will soon all run the risk of becoming targets, as smaller criminal entities begin to branch into the kidnapping for ransom market. If kidnapping for ransom is not brought out into the light, it will be allowed to thrive and grow in darkness, and your family could very well be the next target. For Boots on the Ground, behind South Africa's national headlines, I am your host, Paige Muller.
0: are listening to boots on the ground behind sa's biggest headlines boots on the ground is a true piece of mobile journalism all interviews voices and sound effects for this podcast have been gathered using nothing but smartphones boots on the ground is a times live podcast production a division of arena holdings to catch the next episode of boots on the ground for free please subscribe to our Boots on the Ground channel on IONO.FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you stream your podcasts.